Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. So, so if you want to 
to see our Lord come back and get involved in sharing the gospel again. But he knows the fullness of time when he shall arrive. But when we often see some of these scriptures, we can look at them and sometimes go, wow, you know, I don't know if I'm right here. Anybody ever felt that? I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand. There's a text in Revelation. Who shall be able to stand? You don't realize that in the next chapter, in chapter 7, gives you the good news of who will be able to stand and by what means they're able to stand, which looks like it's going to be as a gospel of Jesus Christ. This was a perplexing time that we live in. I'm not going to speak of it as, as something in the near, in, in the distant future. I want to speak of it in its reality. Do you guys know that according to Scripture, since the cross of Christ, we according to Scripture are living in the time of the end? Did you guys know that? Now, it builds a crescendo, especially as you read the book of Revelation. It gives you some indicators. As we talked about last week, we talked about the sanctuary and some of the prophetic understanding that against us. We know that there is no more time prophecies after the one ending in 1844, right? Every hundred year prophecy. I'm not trying to send out this analysis for There is no more time prophecies. The only other thing that we can write in time is that Jesus shows up. And so we're there. This is not a gift. Okay? We're there. So what we're talking about is what we're living in right now. And it can be scary. And understandably so, but lion comes charging out the bushes at you. What are you going to do? All right? According to our human nature, we're going to run, take off, paralyze with fear. Do you know that this is actually what the enemy wants us to do in these days? He wants us to be paralyzed in fear. He wants the complexities of the time in which we live to so flood us, to so overwhelm us that, that, we don't, that we don't know how to make it through, how to live, how to have, as we're talking about today, a sound mind. And I'm tempted and triggered to not have a sound mind because it brings up a different rent that just got hyped up again where I live. And I see the rate I'm going to be paying for the past, I go, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to be in the last days. Yes, yes. It's a time of trouble. That rent. Yes, yes. All right. But, but, but if we want to understand how we ought to live in the last days, not only how we ought to live, but how we ought to live with a sound mind, many of us are about to discover that we need to be restored. A sound mind. We're going to need to go to the book of First Kings. It's almost the same thing. We were again, we were just talking about Revelation. Why are we going to First Kings? Well, I believe there is, number one, someone there that is actually symbolic of us living in these last days, but also because of what he experiences in First Kings chapter 19, gives us a window, gives us understanding into how in the last days. We can have and be restored to a sound mind. How do we have a sound mind when we have news bombarding us on a regular basis that speaks of corruption? How do we, as we're bombarded with social media, 
those forms of media constantly begging for our attention. Respond to the text, respond to the email, watch this show. Text this person back, tweet this person, check your notifications. This is our reality, generally speaking, as a society. Okay? We are constantly being stimulated with all kinds of things demanding our attention. Then there's that whole miraculous relationship. There's prioritizing your relationship with the Lord. Amen? Hopefully that's happening. Some of us like to get so perplexing that it's not difficult sometimes to do that. There is the prioritizing of your relationship with your spouse. There is the prioritizing of relationship, investing in your children, in your friendships, in the relationships that mean the most to you. Right? Some of us live far away from them, like my wife and I do. Right? And so you're constantly digitally trying to maintain those relationships. But there's all kinds of things, all kinds of pressures. And then when you add to that, you have to understand what's going on in the news. And I think sometimes you need to turn it off. Because we already got the script. We know who wins in the end. Who has one sense of the cross? Same guy. Sometimes we have to know. Because if we're not, we, we, we can allow life to allow for us to sound good. And we can often have a picture in our mind of what someone with uh, a unsound mind looks like. So with an unsound mind, they go into a movie theater and shoot people up. Or school cutting. And we put them in that category over here. But I want to show you today. I want to show you today that having an unsound mind is not so extreme. There's someone in the Bible that is the very um, compelling picture of God's people in life space. You may already know you have this little cheat sheet looked at the text I just told you to look at. Um, but you may not be thinking of this person. That is Elijah. Okay. Elijah has a prophetic message. You know? Elijah lives in a time when God's people, for the most part, are apostatizing. They're falling away from God and falling away from his truth. Now, Elijah is someone who becomes very significant in the ministry of Jesus because then uh, they say that the one that's supposed to proclaim the coming of the Lord will come in the Spirit and the power of Elijah, am I right? Jesus, after the Mount Transfiguration, where Elijah himself actually shows up, where the disciples are confused, every conversation with Jesus is coming down the mountain, and they say, hey, I just saw Elijah, so didn't they say Elijah would come first? And Jesus says, yeah, well, in essence, he already did. Okay. Coming in the spirit and power of Elijah was John the Baptist, okay? But he also says something else, but he also is different. Not just an individual, but corporately a people will come with the spirit and power of Elijah. Guess what? They're seated next to each other now. Because as he's standing there in the Mount of Transfiguration, that picture there is a picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Moses represents the, the law. I want to say the law. The law, right? The first five books about the Old Testament. Elijah the represents there on, on, on referencing, by the way, Matthew 17. Elijah. It represents the prophet, the Lord of the prophets. All right, and when Jesus in the New Testament references the law of the prophets, he's talking about the whole compass, the whole, the whole thing of Scripture. The Scripture that he has in front of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. 
and action of Revelation 13 that will result in the persecution of God's people. Now, of course, that good. It doesn't seem a lot to happen. Are we feeling that now? Is that in your cue? Okay. And so with that now, here is him. Here is Elijah after a mountaintop experience with God. He's seen God show up in his life in a marked way. It's evidence to everybody around him. And when the death decree comes now, what you know, what you get the context. When the death, when the message of the death decree comes, Elijah takes off running for his life. He's now gripped with fear. He wasn't afraid he was standing behind in front of all of those people, right? By himself, presumably to himself, standing up for God. But now he is taking off running. Moments ago, if you read the previous chapter, he was running ahead of King Ahab, empowered by the spirit, the power of God, right? Miraculously running way ahead of the chariot. But now he's running in those strength from Jezebel in fear, terrified. The one who just displayed courage, the one who just displayed tremendous faith, the man of God, the believer, is now crippled with fear. Which is what he calls now. And look at verse number three. The Bible says this, and when he saw that, or it's laid out the message of the Bethlehem, he arose and ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Pause for a second. See, Elijah had a servant. He had company. He had what? He had company. He had community. He had what? And now he leaves his company, his community, in Beersheba, in Judah. Do you see that? So now he has isolated himself. Or maybe someone that could encourage him in the Lord. Reminded him of what God just said in his life. He experienced God's faithfulness in his life. He's not isolated. Are you seeing that? And let's keep going. He's crippled in fear. He's isolated himself from community. Let's go now to verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a green tree. And he prayed. Someone prays. This is someone who prays. He's talking to God. He prayed that he might, where's your Bible say? That he might die. And said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take, this is a strange prayer, my life. For I am no better than my father's. Is this an unbeliever? Is this an unbeliever? This is someone with faith in God. It's not just someone with faith in God. This is a leader in the body of Christ. This is someone who calls people to faith. This is someone who prays. This is someone who knows his Bible. And he prays a prayer that is suicide. In the dark depression. He had just experienced, by the way, we're very vulnerable after a very high mountain of experience with God, you know. When the devil came after Jesus, when he went to the wilderness, he came after the mountain experience, he baptized the name of the Father of God, and the devil said, You know, no, please, when you have a mountain drop deep, you can experience a power that is only the one. It's a time to pass in closer to God. He's not suicidal. Here's the first point I'm going to make this morning. And that is this. Believers 
believers in Christ, right, can and do experience mental illness. Do you hear that? Because I assume that because someone has a issue mental, mental illness, maybe feel like having suicidal thoughts. So I assume that there's something wrong with your life. This is a problem with God. Fire showed up when he prayed. Does it seem to remind you of Jonah? Just come a little bit later. Yeah. Did you guys play? I guess you know you were Martin Luther King before. Still before the dying worms. Right? Here I stand, I can do no other. Right? My conscience is bound to the word of God. Right? I will not recant. His, his teachings and his books and so forth, and the gospel of Jesus found righteousness by the justification by faith. He stands up for all the leaders of the world of his day there in Germany, in the diet of worms. And he says, I can do all that I'm standing on the word of God. But in the depression, did you know that? Dark depression. Matter part of his life. He was ill. Did he need to be restored to his sound then? Are you familiar with Charles Spurgeon? The Prince of Preachers. We follow preachers and dispute preachers. Particularly here in the Great Awakening. Right? Well, one of the great, probably one of the noted preachers of the time was Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon battled with depression for most of his life. I mean, this, these are people who drew thousands that have impacted still sell today. Experience of the I want you to see a few things that took place with Elijah. Number one, he had a mountaintop experience with God. Number two, he isolated himself. We were always intended for community. Did you guys know that? You were built and wired for love. The statement of God, first John 4 8 and 16. God is love. It's one of the most powerful, not milk, but the most powerful, potent verses. And statements in the entire Bible. We were made for love. We were always ever intended to experience other centered community. A focus on others, not self. And what happens is when we begin to focus on ourselves and turn inward, there's a process of deterioration that takes place. Okay? And then end up, it's not an opportunity for us to look at anyone else. For us to look at ourselves. Because our first reading is the man of God. I think it's in the Bible for a reason that this man is so powerful. The prophet people in the, in the, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, they thought about a prophet who is the prophet of prophets next to Moses in the Bible. So they showed up for about a transfiguration, okay? And here's something I want us to, to do. Elijah takes, even though it was, it was very, um, his perception was very clear in the spirit of this moment, okay? First of all, he's asking the author of life to take his life. You know, the Bible says that God has no pleasure in destruction. It doesn't correct it. But guess what? He takes no pleasure in destruction at all. He's the author of life. Why did you get this morning and think about the death you're going to take? Or for your heart to pump? That's the man. Okay? And to ask God to do that is very 
very strange crowd. But notice he was very open with his fingers. Have you seen this? Notice that he went to God. Now he's at a place of deep despair and desperation, but he's still talking to God. One of the things I want us to learn today is, is that it's okay to pray these kinds of prayers. If you're there, don't you hear what I'm saying? When you stay in conversation, there's always hope. Did you hear that? When you stay in conversation, there's always, there's always hope. Now, when you're in not only conversation, but when you're in transparent conversation, when you finally, admit, when you finally admit what's really going on inside, there's no safer place to be when you need to admit and be transparent than with God. We're going to see something else in a second, but I want to start there. But there's no safer place to be when you're, did you see all of the chapters in Job? Where Job was just pouring out stuff like that, we would go, I would never say that to God. But he's there, and God knows he feels this way. And so he's basically talking to him, okay? And so here's something that we need to take on. We need to get to a place where honest about what's going on up here. It's okay. Be honest, you know? And then, and you want to be in a safe environment. We're going to talk about what that looks like in a second, but be honest with God. It starts there. Be honest with yourself. Sometimes things are not okay. You know, as a pastor, I, I, I've gone to counseling. There have been times I've gone. Right? Now, there's a lot of things to go to counseling for. You know, you can tell me maybe you have thoughts in your mind, and guess what? That's okay. <laughs> because I want us to understand the man of God, as we're about to see, needed someone to talk to. Okay? So, so admitting that there is something wrong. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be unforgiveness. Unresolved issues. Dysfunction. Did you hear what he said, by the way? He said, I know better than my father's. He's basically saying, what's happening with me right now, how I'm feeling right now, I think is as a result of family, generational, as some would say, curses or dysfunction. I know better than my father's. He's in a location. This whole scene, by the way, is very, very, um, uh, it's echoing the experience of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Right? They weren't kind of speaking clean that entire experience where he was going to the wilderness. And he's saying, Look, I know better than my fathers. Who am I to even call out God's people? It's great that I just lie. Have you seen that? I was born this way, or I, I've inherited this. That's what he's saying. I know better than my fathers. The baggage that they had. And so, um, this is just, why am I even here? Are you seeing that? That's how sometimes we develop loops that sometimes go on in our minds. And being open and honest about some of those thoughts and feelings is very helpful. In fact, I would be one of the first steps to be in this story. Let's move on and see God's response. Let's start to get into the good news. Amen? Let's begin in verse 5. Look at this. Oh, please, the Holy Spirit, help us Lord, to see what you're doing here. In these next few verses. The Bible starts there in verse 5. Then as he lay and slept, because he eventually cried out to the point where he just fell out. He fell asleep. 
he slept under a broom tree. Suddenly, an angel touched him. Look at that. An angel touched him and said to him, Arise and, and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake of festival. There's a cake in the house. Honey. Yes? But don't wait. And pools and a jar of water. So he ate and drank. He ate and drank and lay down again. I miss that. He ate and drank and then lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back the second time and washed us in your Bible. It's there for a reason. And touched him and said, Arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for you. The journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. That's, that's, that's a biblical for the cycle of 40, right? What is it? And he went as far, the Bible says, as Korah, the mountain of God. That's not the mountain of God. What other mountain has also been called in the Bible? The mountain of God. Mount Sinai is sacred. Mount Korah is Mount Sinai. It's another word for Mount Sinai. He went in the desert, identifying with the experience of the children of Israel, what he initially likens to a negative experience, now it's about to be completely flipped and turned on its head. And so he goes to the place where God showed up. He goes to the place where God showed up to his people and revealed himself in a most remarkable way. He goes to Mount Sinai. Alright? But watch this. Did you notice that the angel shows up? In other words, God commissioned an angel to show up. And watch this. He touched Elijah. You're going to see some themes and some things start to repeat. And then it kind of gets greater light when you get to the New Testament. You know the times when Jesus hit records? He touched someone with an appropriate touch, He touched someone. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? The Bible says he touched her and he says, Daughter, that firming, very firming statement. First of all, the angel, and this can speak to many of us as well, but not going to use us, the angel showing him care. He's showing him what? Care, right? With an appropriate touch. And we were only ever designed to experience love continually. That's always been God's plan. After Genesis 3, after the fall of sin, brokenness and inappropriate touch, right? Takes place brokenness, right? But the, the, the angel is showing him here. Now watch this. The angel said, hey, did you just have a school lesson? Come on, what's that memory verse? Come on. You can get it out of God. Did that happen? No, 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 no. No, no. No shame. No, how can you? What kind of example are you showing to the people of God? You're a leader. You're supposed to break those generational cycles. Come on, Elijah. Did that happen? No, there was. Why don't you eat something? 
they did that study not too long ago. I don't remember where the fact came but they did that study not too long ago that got us to some of the really, really, really worked up and excited. They said some of the are living 10 to 11 years longer than everybody else. That was the blue. There's blue zone, am I right? Ah, there we go. There's blue zone, Loma Linda, California, amen. All right. So Loma Linda, right? And so we've got a hospital out there, those of you who may have become families, we have a hospital and a major work there going on. And um, so they look at that area, they study their lives, and they say, oh, these people got something special here. And they kind of know who to be on here. But they know these people are doing something right. We thought that the lifestyle in America is, is, is unhealthy, and we didn't see what they're doing. It's just really hard to do so. And we were like, oh, yeah! But we still got people dying from cancer. Right? Now we're vegetarian. What are they doing? What's going on? They went and they looked at other areas, not just some of the others. They went to the blue zone, they looked at other areas in the east. Their plant-based diet was one of the things that was very uh, consistent. Um, they looked at a lot of lifestyle things, diet and so forth. And yet, these people in these blue zones kind of became one of these things, right? And therefore, they were worried. But watch this. Something very interesting. I don't know if you guys knew this part of the study. Maybe you do. There was one part of the study that seemed like an exception to this rule. I don't want to believe that somewhere, even in the uh, Scandinavian countries or in, in Eastern Europe, somewhere, I'm not going to name a specific country right now. And they found that these people smoked. They smoked, they drank, and they were also living 10 years old. What's going on? No, he's on the not in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to do that. But listen, what they found was the lifestyle in that country involved a lot of emphasis on gambling. They believe very strongly in their culture and sound and solid relationships. They like to get together and celebrate and laugh and laugh and laugh. And this was having such an effect on them physiologically and mentally that even though they were making bad choices, it was still overrided by such a sound that this particular thing was helping them override some of those things. Not in every case, obviously, but it was happening in a way that was more than the norm. And that said something for us. Because when I grew up, I grew up, we have the health message, right? I thought about Loma Linda, Veggie Loam, you know what I I thought about, hey, I don't need meat, right? I said, I exercise, I go for a walk, I drink lots of water, right? Sun, right? New star, creation, and all of But do we sometimes overlook the need for healthy relationships? Come on, somebody. Do we overlook the need for a sound life, healthy thinking, holistic health? How do you deal with stress? I know you. I, I love the visual. But how, how are your relationships doing? How are my relationships doing? Am I really investing in the way I should do? I forgive well? Do I love well? Do I receive love well? You know, I have to come to the, 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 the realization that I struggle sometimes with receiving love. 
because I, I feel I need to be the Savior. I just, I just realized. Some people say, yeah, I got you. You didn't have to this morning. Um, Hilda, when she came to approach me, so probably was a little anxious, right? And she said, hey, can I help you with, with, uh, with him? I've been mean, taking for a while. You know, my initial reaction was, well, you know, it's okay. We're sitting here with our friends, and they don't want to go anywhere. It's okay. And then the Holy Spirit said, what are you talking about next to you? Um, I'll give you the nod. Yes. You see, when we talk about sound mind and things that affect us, as we guys were getting to the point, as we think about things that affect us, we often think about the person that goes and shoots up. But we could be following the cycles that are having a damaging effect on us mentally. Well, there's so much good stuff here that we don't even have time to talk about, but understand that God first dealt with his, his physiological needs. Before he brought him to a place where we're going to see now, he begins to speak the word. Right? He begins to give him a revelation. He does spiritual quote, unquote, all of us, by the way, is spiritual. We have to confirm that to my spirituality. Spirituality embraces every area of life. It's a Western concept that we confirm that to my secular and spiritual, by the way. The Hebrew thought biblically was every area. Now, my honeymoon is spiritual. I want a job, it's spiritual. God's Spirit, He is present in every area of the moment of my life. Church is not relegated to a building I'm preaching now. And He says, You are a church where you go. All right, He's done. So, we just want to go right, right to the end here. So, First uh, Kings 19, the beginning of verse 11, the Bible says, Then He said, Go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord, before the Lord, before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces. Very dramatic, right? Before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, right? Now, how do you show up on Mount Sinai, right? Fire, right? Lights come action, right? Big display. Back to the place where God showed up with the fire. He put that on that song that got real excited. I'm going to put it on now. He said, Let me go visit that church where they were. The praise team led me into the presence of God. Oh, let me go hear that sermon of that person I really like to hear because, oh, when they talk, oh, let me tell you, man, I'm there with God. He went back to the place where when God showed up, there was fire, there was thunder, and there was all this stuff when God showed up. But God, when it says He's present, it says that He passed by. Go on the mountain before the Lord. It's speaking of His presence. It says there was all this stuff that happened that Elijah's expecting. Yeah, that's where God is. Oh, I'm going to get good now. I'm going to get the story now. And God, no, I'm not going to there's stuff, perhaps, that we're looking for God in, that he's like, I know there's all that, but you know, that's, that's not where I'm moving right now. God was in the still, small voice. This place that initially was in isolating itself, God turns into a spiritual retreat. 
God turns into a moment of solitude. God turns into a moment where he can speak to him through the stillness of his voice. Maybe we need to get out of nature. Maybe we need to find a place in our home where there's not a lot of noise. Maybe we just need to turn off the music. I love the praise of the Lord. I don't know if I sometimes have to hold myself back up in here. And I probably shouldn't do that. But let me tell you, God is often in the quiet. Shut up. And be still and know that He is God. I just want to tell you really quickly here that God, what He does when He shows up, God reveals to Him that He's perfect number one. Right? See, what God wants to do is not showing you. God wants to restore us to a sound mind by anchoring us in His Word and in His presence. In His Word and in His presence. In His Word and in His presence. And we often, in our, in our response to people that need to be restored, we often want to rush there first. You see, no, you got to start with showing care and listening and admitting and just embracing the reality. And then give them some things that they need. Invite them, encourage them to seek help and counseling, which are going to be offered to you in a moment. And then, and then begin to move with they need to rest, they need to sleep. What do they need? Not what they should do. See, be sensitive to that. And then realize when they're at that place now where, okay, I, I, my stomach is full, my mind is kind of getting better now to receive the sermon, the Bible study, then God can speak. One of the things that he does with the writer, I love this, it just touches my heart because earlier the angel alluded to it. He said, the journey is too late for you. What's ahead of you, well, did you hear what he's hinting at? It's not over. Oh, somebody hit that this morning. You're feeling the way you're feeling, and he's saying it's not over. There's still more to the story. Thank you, Adam. There's still more to the story. Like, he gives him some instructions, Elijah, in spite of where he's at. In spite of his brokenness, I still got a calling on your life. I had it revoked. Bad Elijah, I need you to go do this. Get some more community. Go get Elisha. That's what's coming next. It's one of the most powerful things that happen is coming next. I'm not talking about Elijah. I'm talking about you. I thought, well, go get your life. Because God's got it. God's got a plan for your life. And that's often what gives us hope. There's more. It's not over after the divorce. It's not over after the child leaves. It's not over when you lose the job. It's not over when you experience depression. It's not over when you have the suicidal thought. It's not over. It's not over when there's trouble involved. The Bible says God is the author and finisher of our faith. He decides when it's over, and by the way, he gave you the gift of everlasting life, so it never will be over. So why not just trust him and let him take you where he needs to take you? I've got a purpose for you, Elijah. I've got work for you to do. I need you to focus, watch this, on others. Because you can come out here with your own experience. See, I love this story. I love that it's in the Bible. I've gotten through some stuff to play my next year. I know. I've seen where I know. Only in place. Only in Family. That is a purpose and plan for your life. Many of you here you may be identified with what I'm talking about this morning. You can tell this is heavy on mine. Uh, I woke up with a heaviness this morning. To be honest with you, I woke up very heavy this morning. Because I know how much of a need this is. 
Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.